way back in and take a seat. Come on in now that you've divested yourself of your kids. Handed them off to someone else for a little while. Come on in. Well, here we are, about a week away from Christmas. Are you all ready? You've got your uh, gifts all bought and wrapped and grocery stockpiled and pies made, right? I knew you did. Some of you said an emphatic no, and others of you said, oh no, it's only a week away. Um, This season, like so much of our lives, a season in which we celebrate the coming of our Savior, a season in which we celebrate all that is true about Christ in His coming to us, can still be a season filled with stress and discouragement and despair, depression. There's a lot of negative out there. Uh, I I was thinking this week, I don't know how many of you guys would remember this. There was a show that was on TV years ago called Hill Street Blues. Any of you guys remember that show? No, you guys didn't watch TV. You were more spiritual than me. Um, Hill Street Blues started the program every single week with them having roll call. So all of these policemen would gather for roll call and they would go over all the details for that particular shift. And invariably, the guy who was leading it was a guy by the name of Sergeant Phil Esterhaus. And Phil Esterhaus, at the very end, everybody would start to move around, get their papers all together, get ready to go out on the streets, get in their cars. Phil Esterhaus would say, hey, hey, let's be careful out there. And that's kind of how I feel about this season. It's really dangerous. It can be toxic out there. And we need to be careful lest the attitudes and the mindsets of this world somehow leach into our lives. And it starts at a young age. Uh, I don't know how many of you guys pay attention to the little kids. I find little kids are a little bit easier to take than some of the big kids, like you. Um, So I watch the little kids, and I watch them go to preschool. And they get to preschool, and they're all so excited. They're all hugging and kissing each other. It doesn't matter whether it's two boys, two girls. They don't care. There's nothing there. They just, they're so, they love each other. They see each other. They run up and they give one another a hug. And it doesn't take very long in the year for them to somehow learn that loving one another in that way is no longer acceptable. And it goes on. Pretty soon, these kids have assessments. And, and, Somehow, it's discovered that one of the children maybe need a little bit of extra help with vocabulary or with their language skills or something else. They need a little bit of help. And so they have what's called call-outs. They take them out of the room where they get some special assistance. And it doesn't take the other children long to realize, oh, there's something wrong with that child. They're a little slow. And it goes along, and pretty soon, a couple years go by, and you're in gym class, and The gym teacher picks two students out to be the captains, and already they're in an elevated position. And he says, you guys get to pick the teams, and that's a lot of power. And so they start by picking their best friends. And then once they've got through all of their friends and all their social stuff, they then pick people that are perceived to be better athletically, perhaps better academically, or better socially. And wouldn't you know it, your child is the last one to be picked. 
And without anything being said, your child has taken on the mantle that they're not good enough. And this is carried throughout life. I mean, think about it. I I was talking with some friends this week uh, at a a Christmas thing that we did with uh, some ministry friends. When, When I was young, when I was a kid, you might feel like you weren't as popular as somebody else. But you didn't know it for sure. You just felt that way inside. Today, because of Facebook and Instagram, you've got hard data that you're not popular. Just post a picture and see if your picture gets as many comments as your friends. And pretty soon, you don't just think it, you know you don't quite fit in. You're not good enough. And that can be just downright discouraging. It can be negative to your soul. And then you grow up and you enter the real world, the workplace, and your boss doesn't laud you just for being you and showing up. He expects some sort of production from you. And when it doesn't happen, he lets you know that you're not enough. And then you go home where you hope to have a bastion of peace and there's tension between you and your spouse. I mean, it's bad enough when there's stuff out there. But when there's stuff at home, it can be pretty challenging. It can be pretty hard. Uh, you finally get to Christmas and you think, oh, thank God, we get through Christmas and it'll be done. But you have Christmas dinner, the kids are fighting, nothing's going well, the food gets burnt, and your parents who are there to celebrate with you let you know that you're not parenting very well. It's just that life can feel so negative and discouraging. And you finally open up your Christmas presents and uh, your husband gave you a new pair of pants. And you try them on and you think, wow, I really like these new pair of pants. And you go to church that Sunday. You show up on Sunday with your new pants on and one of your friends comes along and says, oh, are those new? And you said, yeah, yeah. Do they look good? And they say, oh. They, they didn't say, oh. They said, oh. And you want to go back home and crawl into your bed. Because life tends to creep up on you. And it can do stuff inside of you that is so negative. And then you go on Facebook. Uh, I, I, I personally confess this has been me this year. I go on Facebook and I have friends. Some of you who post these amazing pictures of your vacations. <sighs> can I just say, stop it? It's bad enough when you go to, like, Tupper. But then you go to Germany, too? And I haven't had a vacation. And when I look at my checkbook, it ain't going to happen soon. Or your friends post these pictures on Facebook of this amazing date night they had with their spouse where they go out. And, I mean, it is a layout. I mean, it's, it's like I don't even know what the food is. What do you call it? It's, it's decorated. I'm just used to cheeseburgs. You've got decorated food. And the worst part is I'm home eating cold, leftover, frozen pizza while you're eating all that food. You can eat all that food and you don't gain an ounce. I just look at the picture and I gain five pounds. This world can feel toxic. It can feel downright negative sometimes. And so what I am talking to you about this particular month is how can we live positively 
while the world around us can seem so negative. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give a little bit of a, a per- parenthetical thing in the middle here. Uh, and it's very simply this. I want to encourage you. Maybe you're, you're new here. Maybe you're a regular. I want to encourage you, if you can, be here next Sunday. Because next Sunday I'm going to interrupt the series. I'm not going to do it on positivity. I'm actually going to do a sermon called A Change of Plans, Reframing the Christmas Story. Never done it before, but I've been working hard on it, and uh, I personally like it, whether you ever do or not, I don't know. But I like it. So I encourage you to be here next week. So here I am today. I'm talking to you about the reasons we have to be positive and, which is what today is about, ways in which we can develop and grow positivity within us. So today I want to talk about an approach to life that can help us to live life more positively because I believe that God himself is an encouraging God. I think he likes to encourage his people. One of the most uh, personally beneficial things that you can do in order to have some level of positivity in your life, I believe, is to encourage people around you. And my point, very simply as I begin this, is that God himself is an encouraging God. Would you open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 7 if you have your Bible? If you don't, it will be up on the screen. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. When you become an encourager or a cheerleader of people around you, you become more like God. And the atmosphere of God begins to pervade your life. And that's kind of what this message is about. How to be like God. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, and I'm beginning reading at verse 5. Follow along if you would. When we arrived in Macedonia, there was no rest for us. And have you ever felt like that over this Christmas season? Like you've got so much to do that if you didn't sleep from now until Christmas, you're not sure you could get it done. Any of you feel like that? It's hard out there. That's what Paul's feeling. He says there's no rest for us. We faced conflict from every direction with battles on the outside and fears on the inside. Now think about that. Here's Paul the Apostle. This is a spiritual man now. He's saying, we're in a time, a season in life in which we feel like we're getting no rest. There's conflict everywhere around us. There's battles outside, things that are real, and fears inside. That's what Paul was dealing with, much like what we deal with. Verse 6, look at verse 6. But God, say that. But God, say it again. But God, what does God do? Look at the verse. But God, who encourages those who are discouraged, encouraged us. How did God encourage them? By the arrival of Titus. Now, hear hear what he says. He says, his presence was a joy, but so was the news he brought of the encouragement he received from you. So here's Titus, who received encouragement from a group of people in Corinth, who then comes, his presence is an encouragement to Paul, but the news he brings from Corinth is an encouragement to Paul. When he told us how much you long to see me and how sorry you are for what happened and how loyal you are to me, I was filled with joy. What Paul does is he attributes the visit of a friend, a man who comes and just shares an account, a report from Corinth. This man is a gift from God to Paul, a messenger of encouragement, of hope to Paul. And I want to suggest to you that there are probably people in this room 
who have been messengers of hope for you. They have come and they have brought a word of encouragement. Just seeing them causes you to smile. It's kind of like uh, for me. I love my grandkids. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but I have nine grandchildren. Did anybody know that yet? Okay, I didn't know. I, I've never referenced it, but um, I have nine grandchildren. And one of the things that makes me the happiness, happiest is when my grandkids see me and their face lights up. I know it won't always be like that. I know there's going to be a time probably down the road when they're going to see me and think, oh, there's that old man. But right now at this age, their face still lights up and they smile. They're glad to see me. And that's the kind of thing that Paul is talking about. When somebody comes and just being them brings encouragement to you. So what I want to do is I want to look at uh, some things that I think we can do that will help us to be more positive in life. Now, I'm not talking about, by the way, doing big things. I'm not talking about uh, some kind of major spiritual gift like healing or miracles. I'm not talking about giving somebody a prophetic word. I'm talking about just being there fully present with them. Maybe even remembering their name. Uh, some of you guys know that my wife and I uh, go on a date night on Mondays. And it's really become a grocery shopping night for us these days. But it's still, we call it our date night. We go out on Monday nights. And because we are people of habit, we tend to go to the same restaurant. And that restaurant, when we come in the door and the person greets us, they greet us by name. I don't mean Mr. and Mrs. Lanneville. I mean Chris and Kavrin. They will greet us by name. I'm not talking about a local restaurant where everybody knows everybody. I'm talking about Rochester, New York. We're in there enough that they know us by name. Now, every time they say my name, you can ask my wife, I look at her and I smile. I know they're doing it just because it's a good tactic because they want my money and they want me to come back. I know that. I'm not stupid, always. But I also feel good when they remember my name. There's just something about people actually remembering your name that can help. So what I want us to do just very briefly is I want us to look at three ways in which we can bring some level of positivity into our lives. Number one, very simply, is this. Encourage others daily. The world, I mean, if you think about it, the world is like a war zone out there. People hear every single day, whether in word or in deed, that they're not enough. They're not good enough. They're not smart enough. They're not good enough parents. They don't make enough money. All of that stuff goes on constantly. It's important for us to understand we have the ability and the responsibility to actually encourage people around us. And when you encourage people around you, it does something in your own soul. It, it changes the atmosphere inside of you and around you. The writer of Hebrews says this, Encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Here, the inspired writer of Hebrews links together discouragement, which is the lack of encouragement, discouragement with a hardening of the heart. Now, I have to tell you, uh, I don't post a lot on Facebook. I did this morning, but I don't post a lot. But I do read posts. And there are times when my friends who are Christians post stuff that I hope that my non-Christian friends don't read. And I just want to say to you, sometimes the stuff that is posted on Facebook is enough to discourage me. And I'm fairly stable in life, I think. 
I'm thinking we have an opportunity to encourage people around us. Instead of buying into the politics of this season, I got to tell you, presidents, kings, potentates, shahs, I don't care what it is, queens, they come and they go. But there's only one who sits on the throne of the universe. So I wouldn't get all that engaged with things political. I'm not saying we're not grateful that we live in this nation. I am grateful. I'm grateful for the liberties, and I think those liberties are important. But I think we get so involved in this stuff that pretty soon we've forgotten that we have a Savior who came to save mankind from their sin, not from their political parties. So I want to encourage you that you have the opportunity to be God's messengers to people around you on a day-by-day basis. Now, one of the things that I personally find in my own life, maybe you don't find it this so, but I was raised in a family where uh, I can remember, I believe, Two times in my life that my father told me he loved me. Two times. Once when he brought me home from the hospital where he had put me. And then the second time was just before he died. That's it. Things weren't said much in our family. You just didn't say to people, I love you. That was just like, it's kind of like um, when Tevia in Fiddler on the Roof asks his wife Golda, do you love me? And what's her response? Do I love you? For 25 years, I've cooked your meals. I've washed your clothes. I've cleaned the floor. Do I love you? That's the kind of thing I was raised with. You didn't ever have to say words. I'm here, aren't I? But there are every once in a while, I'll be at home. And again, you've got to understand I'm as human as the rest person here. I sit at home and I will look over at my wife who is busy working. She, she never takes a break. She's, she's, it's just like, for me, I work from this time to this time. And when my work's done, I'm done. Don't bother me anymore. I'm done working. I'm going to sit and watch Andy Griffith or something like that. Matlock. I'm, I'm done. She sits on her couch right there next to me. I'm one, she's there. And she's working away. And every once in a while, I'll look at her and I'll think, God, she's amazing. Amazing that she keeps doing all this stuff and is able to keep all of this stuff together, remember it all. But beyond all of that, I look at her and I think, why did she ever say yes to me? I mean, she's, she's beautiful. And she's the epitome of the perfect wife, mother, and grandmother. I say that to you, but can I let you in on a secret? I don't say it to her much. It's just, it comes hard. It's not natural. But one of the things I was thinking about this week, as that happened, this is why it came up, as it happened again for me, I thought, wouldn't it be nice if we actually said the good things that we thought? Instead of just thinking them, what if we actually made a pact as Family Life Church, we're actually going to say the good things that we think about people, We're actually going to think about it and then say it to the person in order to encourage them. If you think it, why not say it? If you think that about your friend, about your spouse, about your children, why not say it? Instead of just keeping it in your mind and assuming they know it, why don't we say it to them? Uh, In this season, which can be filled with such joy, but also such... Did you know that the suicide rate is highest at this season of the year? Did you know that? Because there are people out there, maybe 
people around you who feel like Christmas is a promise of something better, but every year I never get the better. I'm left alone. No one cares. And after a while, they just give up hope and they take their own life. Maybe around you, you could make a difference by not just thinking it, but if you think it, you say it. You're grateful to see them. They mean something to you. You remember them by name. I'm terrible with names. I really am. I'm terrible. People give me their names. I forget it within a second. In fact, I usually try to remember to write it on my hand because it helps me to remember. But it matters when we can encourage people around us. Uh, I personally think if I'm fairly stable, I, I think I'm fairly stable. Maybe you might not agree, but I think I am. If I'm fairly stable and I need encouragement sometimes, how much more does everybody around me who might not feel like their life is as stable? So the number one thing is encourage one another daily. Number two, very quickly. The second thing we're going to do is we're going to encourage one another spiritually daily. This is kind of like ramping up point number one. Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verse 10, one of the things I always pray for is the opportunity, he's talking about what we just talked about, being a messenger of hope, of encouragement. I look for and I pray for the opportunity, God willing, to come at last to see you, for I long to visit you, to bring you some spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. When we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. Paul is saying there should be some level of encouragement in the faith. Not just encourage generally, although that's good and important, but to encourage somebody in their faith. It's where the proverb says, iron sharpens iron. It's where we actually rub up against each other and help one another to grow up in our faith. And the way we could do this could be very simple. Uh, these, you know, they, they, they can be a lot of different things. But I, I think about Angie sitting right here. I, I don't know how many of you guys know Angie. Uh, but Angie came to us. I mean, the truth is, like all of us, she's had some hard things happen in life. I have. And yet, I've watched her grow in her faith again and again. I've watched her continue to be faithful, even though it could be easy to quit, but to continue to believe in hope. When you say that kind of thing to people, though, it actually causes them to take a step back and say, whoa, that's true. I could have quit, but I didn't. Or I think about things like, and again, you, you, you make up your own, whatever works for you. I think about Cameron. When I think about Cameron, uh, some of you guys maybe don't know Cameron as well as others, but when I think about Cameron, I think about one thing. I think about how much he loves Sherry and his daughter. I mean, you watched him hold Sophie today. I mean, he didn't care about the songs anymore. He was looking at his daughter. And there's something in that that then encourages me. I want to be a better man. I want to love my wife. I want to love my kids like that. Or I think about Stephanie. Stephanie, I don't know how many of you guys uh, during worship watch people at all, but I do. And I think about Stephanie. Here she is. She's lost in worship. Hands raised. I know she's got kids, and so she keeps one foot on one of their toes. She's got to keep them there. But she gives herself to worship. And I think, man, that's encouraging to me to be a worshiper like that, to go after Jesus. Think about Jed. Uh, I don't know anybody in this place who brings more people in. He just likes people and people like him, and he likes to invite them in. And I say, Jed, I want to be more like you when I grow up. Or Kayla. Kayla 
One of the things I think about Kayla, beyond all the fact, you know, you guys know her, you know, she's like a driven kind of, you know, person. She's got this stuff. But she's real. There's no pretense. And I love that because I think Jesus loves real people. I don't think he has time for our masks where we're trying to look nice for people. So when I talk about encouraging people spiritually, I mean, it's saying that kind of stuff to people to say, when I look at your life, I see good things in you that God is doing. And I want to encourage you, go after it some more because when you do, you actually encourage me back. That's what Paul says. He says, I want to be encouraged by your faith too. So we want to encourage one another daily, but we also want to encourage one another spiritually. And when you do, it pays dividends. It's kind of like when you bring your log to the fire, it not only makes it warmer and brighter for them, it does for you too. So, number one, encourage one another daily. Number two, encourage others spiritually daily. And number three, which really probably should be number one, you need to encourage yourself daily. The Old Testament has a verse, 1 Samuel 30, verse 6 says this, David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, killing him, because the soul of all the people was grieved. They were discouraged, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. I have to tell you, for me, this is the biggest battle that I face, is the battle in my mind it would be really easy for me to allow my mind to take over and to trump everything that I know to be true that God has said. Every single time I stand up here on a Sunday, I can't imagine a time over all of these years, uh, I've been doing this now for 35, 36 years, 37 years, something like that. Um, I can't imagine a time when I get done up here that I don't have these thoughts in my head. What a waste of time. You are a freaking idiot. Why didn't you just stay home? No one would listen to you anyways. And anybody that did listen to all of your meanderings, they would have come out of it saying, I could have done a better job myself. And everything in me wants to go home and go back to bed. That's a daily battle. And the truth is, some of you here face those battles. In fact, all of you face those battles at one level or another. All of you face the battle of your self-talk that can bring judgment and discouragement to your own soul. Where you feel inside like the voices in your head are telling you, you're not good enough. You're not enough. You're not a good enough mom. You're not a good enough dad. You failed how many times? Life is too hard and maybe it's your fault. If you had made wiser decisions, life would have turned out better. You wouldn't be where you're at. We have these inner voices. I call it chewing the mental cud where we're going over and over, replaying that tape again and again and again. And David experienced the same thing. Except for, for him, it wasn't just the voices inside, it was the voices outside saying the same thing. And the Scripture says David did the only thing he knew how. He encouraged himself in the Lord. Now how do we do that? How do you encourage yourself in the Lord? Do you just say, well, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and gosh darn it, people like me. That might sound good for him on SNF, SNL, but either way, in the end, it doesn't change if all you do is just keep babbling on. I think we do it in a couple of ways. Number one, I think we remind ourselves from the Word of God things God has actually said. Things He has said about you. Did you know that God says that He chose you? God 
chose you before the foundations of the world. Before there was such a thing as planet Earth, God had you in mind, and he chose you. And he calls you his special one. That's what he does. He says, I have vested my life inside of you. He said, you have tasted of the divine. You have the incorruptible seed inside of you. That's what God says about you. He said that he is going to provide for you according to his riches and glory. Not according to your ability, but according to his ability. He says he's going to work everything together for good in your life because he loves you and you love him. Well, things might not be going great right now, but God's going to work it out in the end. He's going to get glory, and you're going to get his glory. That's what he promises. He says, as we looked at last week, because God is for you, whatever anybody else thinks about you, in the end, doesn't really matter. It's what does God think about you. You're an overcomer, not because of your own strength. You're an overcomer because of his strength inside of you. So the first thing I think we do is we have to remind ourselves, what does the Word of God say? And I would encourage you, maybe for some of you, you do an annual reading through the Bible or something like that. Maybe take this year a highlighter and highlight those verses where God says specific things about you. What does He say about you and His feelings for you? But the second thing I think we can do that helps us so much is that we change the environment around us by our worship by being able to enter into the place of God's presence. The scripture says God inhabits, he lives, he dwells in our praises. Wouldn't it be amazing if instead of allowing the litany in our head to continue, we actually begin to remind ourselves. And I do that. Uh, It wouldn't be unusual. Uh, I try not to do it out loud, although I do know there are others there that do. But when I walk at the Y, the track, I repeat verses to myself, reminding myself of truth, But then there comes a point when I start singing. Now, I sing to myself because there are other people who put earbuds in and they're singing loudly as they walk the track. And part of me wants to ask them, you do realize people can hear you, right? Um, But I sing. I worship. I remind myself of worship songs. In fact, there are times when I have been in the middle of it when I couldn't remember the words. And I can remember actually texting April and asking her, remind me of the words of this song. Because I know it's important, but I can't remember the words right now because I just don't. That's not me. I can remember Scripture better than I remember songs. But there's something about the life of the songs. (coughs) And there are some of the songs that we do which are so much like David that it amazes me because it reminds us of truth about how God feels about us and what we really believe about God. So when we're talking about the fact that Paul says there's trouble on the outside and there's fear on the inside, what do you do? I think, number one, we recognize everybody faces the same thing, and they need encouragement. So number one, we encourage others daily. And number two, we encourage them spiritually daily. We help them to grow in their faith, even as we're growing in our faith. And then number three, and actually foundationally, we encourage ourselves in the Lord. As you come to this Christmas season, I want to encourage you. It is really easy to get caught up in negativity. All the stuff that has to be done. Maybe you're hosting Christmas this year and you're feeling overwhelmed by the prospects of it. It's like, how am I going to get all the gifts wrapped? How am I going to buy all the gifts, get the gifts wrapped, and get all the food ready, clean the house? How am I going to do that? Or maybe for you it's like, I've got gifts I have to buy, but our checkbook is negative this year. What am I going to do? I want to encourage you that we have an opportunity to 
keep our focus on the reason why we celebrate this season. And I'm not saying gifts are unimportant. I'm not saying any of the gatherings we have as family are important. They're important. But most important is that we keep Jesus in the center of it somehow. Find a way to remind yourself of who is at the core, the center of your life and the season. Would you stand with me? And again, next week, uh, we are going to be looking at reframing the Christmas story. Hope to see you here. Um, One of the things I like about Facebook, I don't like a lot of things about it, but one of the things I do like is they have this thing called the memories page. You guys know about that? Where things that you posted sometime back, on that day, you're reminded of. And one of the things I like about the memories page is you can post things from two, three, four, five years ago. You post things that you were going through, struggles that you were having. And you're looking for help. You're looking for prayer. You're asking people questions. Okay, I'm struggling with this. And then five or six years later, it comes up on your memories page and you say, wow, that was a struggle, but God did help me. And that reminds me that what he helped me with then, he will do again because he's faithful. What I want to do is I want to just very simply give you a benediction. And what does the word benediction mean? A good last word. That's what it means. Benediction. Good word. And in this case, it's a good last word. So would you bow your heads, close your eyes, and I want to just give you this word as from the Lord. It comes actually out of Romans chapter 15, but I give it to you as a good final word. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Jesus Christ that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you. Have a good rest of your day.